0: And welcome back to another episode of F and I Rap Chat. Um, it's a bit of a landmark day. Uh, we're back in the podcast studios, open for business again. Uh, doing Trojan work here, all uh, all through behind the scenes, through the through through lockdown and the pandemic, and we're really really delighted to be back in. It's been a, it's been a, a, a strange animal kind of working remotely, as wonderful as it is. One of the things that we enjoy about the podcast. He's getting to meet all these lovely people who work in film and TV in Ireland. So uh we're r- 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 delighted to be back uh back home as it were, um, in the podcast studios on McGuinness Place. Uh so thanks everybody um over the last uh last couple of weeks in terms of backing our F and I at home uh, initiative. Um we have been trying to raise money for Bumbulans, the children's ambulance service. So you still can if you go to our social media or www.wearefni.com. You can find the link there. You can donate via the website or you can text. Um, All the information is there. Uh, equally, if you'd like to support Film Network Ireland and what we do in our work, head on over to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI. Uh, this uh, podcast is produced uh, on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Um, and is mixed by Bedford. Today. I don't know if you've heard of this bizarre story, historical, uh, uh, (laughs) happening uh, over the, uh, you know, in 1926, but um, an Irish uh, aristocrat um, tried to assassinate Benito Mussolini. Um, You couldn't write it. It's the most incredible, incredible story. And we're joined today by Barry Dowdall, of uh, Kelly Pitchers. Ned Ned Kelly. Kelly Pitchers. Ned Kelly.
1: And Violet Gibson Films now. Oh. Who, uh, uh, his, uh,
0: Violet, uh, Violet Gibson premiered at the, uh, at the Dublin International Film Festival this year, the Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival. And uh, Barry, how are you doing?
1: Thank you. I'm fine, Paul. Good to see you after a while. It's nice to
0: socially distance see you. (laughs) Thanks very much. Uh, What's going on in your life?
1: Um, well, the the Violet Gibson, the woman who shot Muslim, screened on the 4th and the 6th of uh, March oh. and pretty much everything went over a cliff then, you know. So um, I've been doing a lot of baking bread and uh, pl- learned a few tunes on the ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> but and also also kind of getting paperwork done like... When you produce and direct, and I, I, I think I, I have some this joke that I have to hire myself because nobody else is going to hire me. So I, produ- I produce the film so I can hire myself or whatever. Yeah, but there's a lot of paperwork involved. W- and in w-
0: would you give yourself a reference?
1: I would <laughs> give myself a very good reference. <laughs> Hard worker, a grafter. <laughs> um, and the thing about it, that with with this particular project, it's a four eight one, and 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 it's a lot of four eight one. Been the section four eight one. And the budget was reasonably big and there's a lot. we have to get everything audited. So I spent about, and because I couldn't afford to you know, hire a load of accountants to be working, so I had a, like a box of receipts. Mm-hmm. So during the lockdown, I just sat down for two weeks with like thousands of petty cash receipts and put them all together. And uh, the good news was I met the auditors last week and they were happy with everything. So that was part of the lockdown, getting paperwork done.
0: See, it's not all glitz and glamour and red carpets, is it?
1: Absolutely, it <laughs> is. <yeah. laughs> no, there's not, I, I, if I was offering advice to anyone starting out, I mean, you know, or, or you might say to so light a fire or something, be prepared for hard work. You know, it doesn't, doesn't fall into your lap. Mm-hmm. And, it's, you know, you've got to put in the hours.
0: Yeah, yeah. How did it come to you, the idea
1: for this? Well, strangely enough, I was at um, an event in a place called Bardonecchi in Italy in about 10... 12 years ago and this Italian woman kept uh, who went on to make a film about Violet Gibson but I was trying to do another trying to flog another film about um, a woman called Sophie Mary Evans-Pierce who from County Limerick flew aeroplanes Right. which has since been made into a film. And uh, but we were on the, in the thrones trying to get funding from it. And it was an EDN event, European Documentation Network. So I was hell-bent on meeting all these commissioning walk, walk editors. Work
0: in the room, as for you.
1: Work in the room. And this woman kept saying to me, her name was Gabriella, and she kept saying, there was a woman called Violet Gibson from Dublin who tried to shoot Muslim. And I said, look, I, look, I'm not interested. I can't talk to you about that. <laughs> and was, I, I felt bad about it afterwards. But my wife, Siobhan, yeah. Yeah. came across the knew of the story. And we have relatives living in Italy, and um in the area where they live um when the when the the Nazis were retreating when the allies were coming up from the from the south of italy mm-hmm. all the, any any partisans and local people were just taken out and shot you know oh, every every second man was shot in the head and our my wife's sister's husband Marco, his uncle Dino, was one of the ones who didn't get shot, mm-hmm. and Siobhan always wondered, um would the people around here know about the Irish one who shot?" Mussolini, and nobody had ever heard of her. So Siobhan decided she would make a, a radio. Do- I, I, she was doing an, an RT doc on one open day thing, and she spoke with Sonny and RT and she said, fascinating story. We Can you put together a proposal? So she put together a proposal, but at the same time, the book came out, The Woman Who Shot Mussolini by Frances Stoner Saunders. So, so to make a long story short, we made a radio documentary first. And it did well. And it won an award in New York. At the, and I just thought it might make would make an interesting film. And I knew I wasn't going to get a budget for, you know, five or ten million or whatever you'd need, you know. So I decided to go down the dr- docudrama route consciously. Mm-hmm. And uh, I approached TG Carr um, and they had actually. Had thought it was, wasn't maybe it was an OK idea, but because it had been a radio documentary, they maybe, um, maybe this wasn't for us at this time. But the, anyway, so I, I submitted it again as an idea. And uh, scepticism, I guess, for,
0: for any project that, you know, raises a couple of flags in terms of bu- uh, the budget in particular. It's like, oh, maybe. And then
1: the, then the one of the commissioning editors in TG Car knew that this Italian film had been made. He was kind of going, um, well, maybe, like, you know, maybe it's already been done. And I said, well, it hasn't been done from an Irish point of view. Yeah. So I was always so encouraged then um, by Maureen Nicundan at the time to write up a proposal. And I don't know if you've ever done a BEI proposal, but like you're asked for two pages, but I put in two pages and another 48 pages. Mm-hmm. So you're hoping that they will read the two pages and then get into the, the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. So they got into the nitty gritty and said, oh, that's interesting. Can you write up a full treatment now? So then another three, two or three months of writing about screenplay and, and you know all of that.
0: Th- who else uh, worked on the writing of it? Was Kevin it? Dalisla,
1: mm-hmm. who, who was the co-director with me uh, and uh, the editor. And my wife, Siobhan, added a few lines into the screenplay and another friend, Ashley Taggart, whom you know. <laughs> so Ashley was kind of o- overseeing Shout it. Shout out. Yeah, so um, he was kind of reading it through. But so, well, that dialogue doesn't really work. So it was a very much a team, team effort, effort, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of rewriting and rewriting on the day.
0: People listening in, you should be aware that nobody writes a script alone, no matter yeah. how good you are.
1: And especially like if you're when you're working with, you know, your wife who knows the story better than you do, mm-hmm. but is not a filmmaker. Yeah. And she's trying to put in information, but like, you know, she she moved her pen across the table and then she picked up. I said, look, look, she's sitting at a table. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we'll work it out from there.
0: Yeah, yeah. But but to have that, you know, that um, educated eye on, on the subject is, Im- yeah. is invaluable. Yeah. Like someone is essentially a scholar of it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So we got T.G. Kara said yes. And then the BAI was well, T.G. agreed to it going into the BAI. The BAI said yes. And then I did a 481 application. And the 481 was like, it. That's taken a lot of paperwork again. Mm-hmm. And I got, I sent in the proposal. I don't know if this might be of interest to people listening in. If you're, if you're trying to start out, you know. And they're not doing for much 481 for documentary now anyway. You know, it's mm-hmm. a feature film or live action. So I sent in this 68-page proposal to the Department of Arts, Culture and the Gayathot with, you know, numbers of people who will be working, numbers of people who will be doing Irish work, working in Ireland, working in Italy, Irish working hours, non-working hours, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they came back and said, yeah, we're going to give you a certificate. We agree in principle. So I said, Br- brilliant. So I went away and two, a month later, I wrote back and said, um, okay, I'm ready now. And they said, oh yeah, but you're at the back of the pile now. I said, what? But you'd given me the, you'd give me Oh, yeah, but you didn't reply quick enough. So there's 47 projects ahead of you right now. <laughs> so all the, they, they said yes, and then I got put to the bottom of the pile. How,
0: how, it's
1: just the system. How, how long
0: it, was it between, yeah, yeah. go off and do a bit of work and submit?
1: I may, it might have been, I initially, I think, probably about six to eight weeks. But I had said to them, I, I was happy to go ahead and I'd do some work.
0: So you, 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 okay, so you confirmed agree. You'd agree it, you'd yeah, in principle.
1: I, and it turned out that they had a postal delir- a postal system. So as it came in, you went to the bottom of the, po- you know, and that's just how it worked. Now, there was a lot of f- kerfuffling going on within the industry because a lot of feature films were getting held up. So I think Spy and a few other people, you know, tried to get in and jizz it up a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And they have, they have a better, more streamlined system now. But so that, that delayed us by four months. And then my mother fell and broke her elbow in bits. So I, so she had her shattered elbow so that was another four months I was looking after her so th- everything got delayed yeah. which is probably nothing what really got to do with making the film but it was all part of the process. was a
0: hindrance though um, in retrospective.
1: It was an excuse I think sometimes to, to avoid you know get, really getting involved and then what happened was if, if so then we went to we decided we'd get Albon for, well Albon Fuere was on board anyway.
0: Yeah an incredible actor guys if you're not aware of her check out her work incredible.
1: But she was only available for like two weeks in May and one week in June. Mm-hmm. So then it was like and we it was we had something like two months to get it ready. So we wrote the we wrote the screenplay then, which was had seventy seven individual scenes. Okay. Yeah.
0: In terms of the dramatic section?
1: The, just the dramatic elements. We just yeah. just all we shot first was all the drama elements. I wanted it to look like drama as supposed to like as opposed to like, you know, um just reenactments, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was
0: the Chuck Ireland type stuff. Yeah, yeah, to, for it to look cinematic, which it does. Uh,
1: yeah, I haven't watched
0: it. it oh, does, thank you. It really does.
1: Well, all the interiors were filmed in a post office in Kells, <laughs> an old Victorian post office that was gutted, and we went in and we built, we built the sets in in the post office, right. and then all the exteriors were shot in Rome. Bene. Yeah, bene, bene, and uh, what we would do is like, we'd be walking along the street and I'd see a, a church and I'd say to Kevin, I would to the crew, okay, set the camera up there, walk in the door, and everyone's in costume.
0: Just get it done. Yeah. Well, we, have,
1: we had permits now from the police to be, because filming in Rome was like a nightmare, yeah. and we were fil- actually filming at the Spanish Steps, and uh, I had a permit, and I turned up and said, oh no, I have a permit here, and he said, "See, si, no, no, aquí, si, like, like here, yes, on the, on the steps, no. So we couldn't go on the steps. We could only film from. Th- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got yeah, Alwyn yeah. and and Siobhan, my wife, was playing the part of this Mary McGrath. And we got them to go up onto the steps and we talked to a few tourists and got them to s- stand in around them. And when we got they gave them the, um, the go ahead, they'd all step away. So it just looked like th- <laughs> so we, they couldn't stop us from filming. On, we were on the ground. but yeah, yeah. They were up at the top of the Spanish steps. It looked like they were the only people there. But there were hundreds of tourists there.
0: Little, Thousands. Little tricks. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you didn't get a... That's,
1: that's some no. And we're not getting anybody on, yeah. in shot like... you're yeah, trying, to, trying to make it look authentic, but...
0: It's wonderful when you see somebody maximizing their budget and trying to make the most of the production value that they have available hmm. to them. Um, and I, I... From what I could see, there appeared to be a, a little bit of green screen and some FX stuff. Yeah. Which is amazing a, to see, yeah. and it's seamless. Well done, I have to say.
1: Well, that was a... Was down to, a lot of it was down to Kevin um, and, and Jas Foley um, and we did a few tests around Jas's farm out in um, Kells. Kells yeah, and just put up a green screen and just tried it out it worked but the big thing was we'd shot the, we'd shot the so the, the big scene was the shooting of Mussolini the rest of the stuff she's locked up in a convent or she's been interrogated by the Italian police or she's doing a jigsaw puzzle but the big scene was the shooting of Mussolini and there was a lot of people in, in the Campidoglio when she did it so A
0: lot of high angles kind of thing, low angles
1: up. Um, yeah, well, we, well we, what we ended up doing was we went into the Campidoglio at seven in the morning and shot the back plates. Okay. But uh, the one day that we were there, the one, the one day, this guy pulled up with a truck oh, and we asked him, would he move five metres ahead? And he wouldn't, no. So we didn't give him any money. But we, but no, <laughs> we, I don't know. I, I, hey,
0: uh, I'll hey. move it, no problem.
1: Yeah. And the police were watching everything, that, but we had permits to be there. So we, we yeah. worked around it. And so then we had to shoot the crowd scenes, and they were d- shot in Dublin in Imma, in December. So to actually match uh, a sunny May June in Rome mm-hmm. to December in Imma on the only day it didn't rain.
0: Yeah, it rains in Italy,
1: right? Yeah, but not the day we <laughs> were there. <laughs> so that was a bit of yeah. So that was a bit of a kind of a white knuckle moment because like I had booked the all the HMIs and the, you know, the, the camera, the crew and the costumes and we'd all the costumes. you have to go. And yeah, yeah. working with movie extras and working with the Abbey costumes, you, you pay up front. There's no, there's no like, after, you know, if it doesn't happen, no, you, you book the actors and you got to pay them. So, mm. so yeah, on the 19th of December, it didn't rain. The sun came up around 8.32 or something and we, we filmed till 2.30. Wow. And did all the green screen in, in the grounds of Emma as well
0: yeah yeah uh
1: sorry just just uh, for you there was 50 I think was 59 or 60 layers of video in that
0: in those sequences
1: sequences, yeah the scenes yeah with the big crowd scenes
0: amazing um it's on like the story itself is unbelievable like do you think uh, in in terms of of a a figure like that I mean it, it like, surely, like, if that was a man, that character would be martyred.
1: Um, but they might be pulling down the statue now. <laughs> we are putting, are putting another one up. Well, you never know in terms yeah.
0: of... But, but, I mean, the, surely the state needs... Well, you don't recognize. I suppose you... Well, it depends from what political angle you're looking, looking at it. But, I mean, should this be the first... It, 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 like, it's the second, obviously, of many... Kind of dramatic tellings of that story, but um, should they, should people be versed in in this
1: story? So I mean, as the woman who wrote the book, Frances Stoner Saunders, was very articulate, and I mean, her, the research in her book was just incredible. I mean, from what you know, from what she was having for breakfast, like what she was spending her money on, where she was buying her clothes, like it was the detail was was like um, forensic, you know. Mm-hmm. Um.
0: I mean, I mean, it it is one of those stories. It's truth is stranger than fiction, obviously, in in, in this case. But um, I mean, why do people not know about this? Yeah.
1: OK. Yeah. So. Like, as I say, the the detail in Francis Stoner's book, book Francis Stoner's book was incredible. And we we had so much information. But the bottom line was really, I mean, the idea that Mussolini was shot by a woman of all things, you know, th- that was the big thing. So she, she was basically, she was there, but written out of history and um, a deal was done behind it. Now she had different bouts of not being well in herself at times, you know, like, like having some mental uh, health problems. But I mean, as somebody's put, put it in the documentary that, day, you know, which maybe she was mad for a few minutes. I mean, how mad was Mussolini like, you know, like he was probably responsible for three million d- deaths, you know. So um, when they helped they the team in, in Rome to defend her. Uh, a guy called Enrico Ferry. And basically, they, they d- decided that she was lucid, but she was insane. So was lucid insanity. And Churchill was behind the scenes, Winston Churchill, and uh, there was a, a deal was done. And like, Violet's father was the Lord Chancellor to Ireland. I mean, and they were friendly with the royal family. I mean, they were, so basically, they just locked her up and threw away the key. and Yeah, and you
0: also have to understand, I mean, this is what, 1926,
1: 27.
0: Yes. So, this is, Quite a while before World War II as well. Yes. So oh, yeah,
1: and Mussolini was a darling of, 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 the, of the...
0: Oh, he was a sweetheart. Everybody loved yeah, him.
1: Yeah, yeah But a, she
0: could foresee what was coming. Well, that's what I maintain anyway. The rise of fascism. Yeah. well, then,
1: Yeah, the rise of fascism. I and mean, it was quite evident. I mean, and she... There was a, fa- a very famous um, Italian politician called um, Matteotti. And uh, he was a, a complete uh, opponent of um, Mussolini. And he had written a book about the a year of the fascisti, you know, and uh, it was very critical of Mussolini. And um, it was published, that, was, that book was published by the British Labour Party, of which Violet was a member. Violet was at his trial. He was brutally murdered by, um, by they reckon, by Mussolini's men. He was taken down the River Tiber and mm-hmm. stabbed with a chisel and sexually assaulted, etc., etc. et cetera. And it, yeah, and, uh, and then there was the trial and she was at that trial. Violet was at that trial and it's all this details going back to the book all that detail she, the day she was there how long she was there you know so this is what I was saying about the forensic nature of Francis's it's book It's
0: very seldom you have that level of detail
1: Yeah and she was absolute Frances we interviewed her for the radio documentary and she she was so happy that somebody was putting Violet's story out there you know that she wasn't been written out of history and she also then when we were in went, we went to interview her for the, the, the this for this documentary the film documentary Mm -hmm. the interview would last for three hours and every bit of detail and then she handed me all her research
0: Wow! i said look
1: you can have there's everything all the pay the the lord the the ashburn papers all the the family photographs so we were given this you know as to do with what we liked with and then to donate it to an archive or something you know Mm -hmm. so that was really helpful
0: yeah yeah it's uh
1: and we had her carte blanche to do it. Or, you know, to use all her detail. She didn't care. She's, you can use my book.
0: I can see that level of detail <coughs> in the in the finished uh, article. Uh, it's the uh, breadth of detail is is really astounding. Um, how did you come about casting? Did, was it a no-brainer? Um, um, or did you always have?
1: Uh, well, Alwyn was was kind of Siobhan and myself, my wife Shavon Lyneham. Uh, she thought that um. Alwyn would be perfect, you know. Now, i had worked with Alwyn once before um, on another thing about Asylum Seekers, a small project, and uh, I wasn't too sure if she'd be interested, but I sent her a... Just a she, she was quite... Um, she uses Facebook a bit, and I didn't have a number for her, so I just sent her a, a message and sent her a one page synopsis and she came back I said would you be interested in playing this part and she came I said you might not even remember me all one but she came back in about five minutes and said hi Barry I would love it I really want to do it I just read your outline but count me in
0: so that's how She's it is perfect casting
1: yeah like really um, the other people were added in as we went along you know
0: mm-hmm. no it's great there's, no, there's not a bum note in it uh, in oh, terms of the casting or otherwise genuinely and you know as, as you'd imagine, I watch a lot of stuff, so uh, I'm not in the habit of lying, especially yeah. to people I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's, let, we'll just park that for a minute and just go back to the kind of start. Let's go back in, in Eamon right. Andrews type of way. Uh, um, you're you're from Dublin, grew up in Dublin.
1: Well, I was actually, my parents were from Dublin, but I was actually born in England of all places. And I'm I don't. Sorry, yeah, we have to end the interview. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, came, I came back to Dublin when I was two. All right, okay. And we lived in Dundrum. Okay. And my, my father was from Stillorgan, and my mother was from Mount Merion, although she, they'd come from the north in the 50s. Right. And my grandfather was a builder. So this is a bit of a plug, but he built Eden Park and he built Cromwells Fork Road and he built trees Road. Eden, so, Park. Eden Park? in, in I,
0: I lived in Eden Park K- Drive.
1: Yeah, he built that. That's Indeed. all him. Yeah, so anyway. So he was quite a successful builder from the north of Ireland and my dad worked for him. And... Then my dad, being the man he is, he's passed away now. He decided television was coming of age, so he worked for Irish TV Rentals, who had a shop at the top of Grafton Street. So from from so from as or as long as I can remember, like you know, th- I was three or four years of age. We had a TV, so I was there was always a television in the house, yeah. and then we had the first color TV, and my father also had a Super Eight camera, so I I have footage of me, well, my <laughs> sisters. And I did the maths before I came in here. That's 56 years old. Oh God. So I'm 61. So I was five years of age in this and running around the garden in, in Dundrum. So that was, these movies were always, we used to have movie nights. And uh, we'd put them on and play them back and forth. Of course, I wasn't much good at sliding in, in on ice. My father used to play the film backwards and forwards backwards and forwards backwards <laughs> and because I was persecuted from a young age, yeah. so why else wouldn't you become a filmmaker you know
0: you'd be amazed to uh, how uh, so many people have similar experiences um uh, you know a father w- with a, with a with a keen creative eye and um and and how where where did that kind of lead to i mean did you go on and study or yeah um Find your way. Well, was I, I it was it, it apparent then?
1: Well, my mother was also an actor, oh, right. an actress. Okay. If that uh, the day, she worked in the in the Gay Theatre with them, um, <coughs> with Hilton Edwards and Michael McLeamore, okay. and she remembers she has stories about Orson Welles and stuff. I was, so I we was grew just up. Just about to ask you about we that. We grew up with kind of just. I was the mother would take out the scrapbook. You know, we're looking at the, here she is in the Gay Theatre with you know, there are various people I can't tell all the names I can't think of right now, but Michael McLeanmore and Hilton Edwards, and oh. then the father put on the movies.
0: So you were kind of fucked from the start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's
1: no I, way out. I tell you a funny self-fulfilling one.
0: Self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: Yeah. I tell you a funny one. My father was like, he was a real crooner, right? That this is a, this is leading into the, the, the first film. And um, he used to say to me, sing, you know. And my sister, Leslie, Leslie Dowdall is a well-known singer. and She she could sing. And apparently I couldn't. And the father used to say, sing. So I'd start singing and he'd start laughing. So between watching them, me falling on the ice, the man, the boy who fell on the ice, if you like, and the boy who couldn't sing. So I got kicked out of the school choir. Well, somebody said, uh, who's out of tune? And I said, me, even <laughs> though I probably wasn't, <laughs> yeah. which is why I'm playing the ukulele now. So my grandmother dies mm. and I went, we were sent to the cinema. And what did I go to see?
0: The first film you've ever seen? The ever first seen one film I really
1: ever remember was remember? The Sound of Music.
0: Ah.
1: And I was crying my eyes out, you know, this, 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 and all the music, And because I, I was told you couldn't sing, and I, you know, the whole thing about the kids getting to singing. And my granny had just died. And that left an indelible mark on me. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. still stands the test time as a musical, you know, the sound of music. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah, of course.
1: And the other film that I, I saw when I was very young and I was just bowled over by it was Charlton Heston in Ben Hur, because I eventually got into horses. So the horses and, and action. And then we moved down the country, down to County Carlow, and uh, I got I got into horses in a big way. And I rode pony club, and uh, I did gymkhanas, and I was on the Irish show jumping team. Wow. The juvenile, like I, don't I didn't understand. know that. Okay. Yeah, we won the national championships, and we went to England. Um, and I did you know hunter trialling. and uh, the whole I did all that. I was in a part of the hunting, shooting, fishing set, if you like, for a while. You know, mm. hanging out with these the Anglo Irish and people like that in, 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 in... Deep cover. Yeah, deep cover. Deep <laughs> cover is right. And so I got in... From there, I got into, into the horse racing business and I was working with horses, like, nonstop. Um, and I think I was in my mid-twenties and I was... I, I find these horses were fast and I couldn't keep up with them, you know, and it was a rough, tough business. Like, it's a tough business, the horse business. And I decided I need to do something different with my life. And at this stage, my father is selling cameras... And he had a few shops at this stage. He had shops in Waterford, Kilkenny, New Ross, Carlo, and he was selling video cameras. Mm-hmm. So he said to me, would you do something with your life? You're a waster, you know? <laughs> so he said, if you go to College the Doolig, he said, there's a course there for film and TV, which is a very good course. And uh, so I went there and was hooked and all that drama stuff, the mother, the theatre, the acting, and doing live, live. It all, come, it all came And I happen. went, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I did the year in Colossians, which was a night course at the time. I got a video camera and I went out and I filmed everything from one act plays, three act plays, weddings, horse racing, greyhound racing, Holy Communions. I just, anything, you know, I'd, I'd turn up my camera and say, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. And I'd sell tapes. And in 19, then I moved to Wexford Town. So I'm 30 now. On Wexford. the Wexford, yeah. Wexford Town. And I, I wrote, a, the opera festival was on, you know. Yeah. And uh, I wrote. They him. might need that filmed. It, well, I, I did make a film about the Opera Festival, encouraged by Siobhan, my, my, my wife. And I'd written a poem about the Opera Festival, you know, just a do- piece of doggerel, 36 lines, whatever. And she said, you should turn that into a film. So I went around with my camera and I filmed the whole town during Opera Festival, like the singing and swinging pubs and all these other events. And I made a documentary, which was 26 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And I, somebody said, that's quite good. And I sent it into RTE, and they said they'd like to show it. Oh. They what? didn't know it had been shot in VHS though. Oh. Yeah, but it was screened. What
0: year when, when was it?
1: Well, i made it in ninety-one, ninety-two. Okay. But okay. it was they actually screened it in ninety-four. <laughs> and that was my first program, and then uh, I went over to Telegate in, in, in um, spittle and they resed it from Super VHS to Umatic, and you know, but at that time. You know, it didn't have all the bells and whistles for the, you know, so it wasn't broadcast as such.
0: Mm-hmm. So quality. they had to upscale it, essentially.
1: He upscaled yeah. it and, uh, and scared a few people in RTE, which I, didn't do me any favors, like going down the line, you know, ah, so,
0: yeah.
1: but um, then TG Car opened up mm-hmm. and um, I made my first, I did a children's the- cookery series for TG Carr. And then I did. I went on to make a, my documentary with Brendan Colton called the, the Long Road. Mm-hmm. So once TG Carr got going and then I had started start up with Michal O'Malley was there at the time and it was all, we were all young and enthusiastic and, but you'd, like for every 10 proposals you'd put in, like, you know, you might be lucky with one or none. Mm-hmm. And it was very, and it's, not, it's no different. How now.
0: important was that outlet, like TG Carr it at was, that time? For me it was
1: brilliant, yeah. Yeah, because
0: I mean RTA was the only show in on town, right?
1: Yeah, and I had blotted my copy book because of this not, Although the f- film was well received, but it wasn't the quality wasn't as high as it should have been mm-hmm. res wise, picture wise. I'm not af- afraid to talk about that. That's that's what happened, you know. And, um, no, no,
0: no. You're right too. But, you so, know,
1: T.G. Carr, and um, but in the meantime, I was doing things like you know, coast videos. I was a kind of a, a cameraman running around the country. I did things on coastal erosion, mm-hmm. filming out of helicopters, like um, aerial photography, um, hor- ordnance service, so. service stuff, uh, horse racing. W- County finals, hurling matches, soccer, graft—just turn up and, and graft. But with TG Car opening up, is what that was. After I got the first program on RT at the IPU, the Independent Production Unit, I thought, God, this is great. Now I've I've gotten in. You know, I've made my yeah, first yeah. program, but I didn't have any much luck sending in proposals to RT. But TG Car, as I said, seemed to be much more amenable, and uh, mm-hmm. that started twenty odd years ago. So I've been making stuff for them ever since. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they're an incredible outlet. I mean, they seem to take a lot of... Like, even in terms of their output and some of the programs they've acquired over the years as well, and they were forced to the punch on a lot of seminal pro programming.
1: Especially... Even taking
0: stuff in from the States yeah. and stuff that wouldn't have been touched by RTE or was, you know, Breaking Bad being, being a good example.
1: At uh, that time, myself and a few other people, we got involved with the European Documentary Network and we started going to IDFA in Amsterdam, you know, the International Documentary Festival of Amsterdam and the sunny side of the Dock in Marseille. And we were looking at what other people were doing in other countries. And sometimes people were like, one person made a, a, a co-production about the Matterhorn. So one was f- filmed it from the Austrian side, the German side, the French side, and you know, the co-productions were the thing. And I suppose my first big thing was uh, I did a film about Ned Kelly.
0: Oh, that's right,
1: yeah. Sure. Of course, I'd spent time living in Australia with the horses as well. And they used to call me Nid. Here comes Nid.
0: So... Um, he
1: <laughs> need That was a funny one. I was in Amsterdam and I again, we met with Michal O'Malley and we were having a beer and he was happy with the the first film I'd done with, with, with a documentary called The Long Road on Bohr's father. Yeah. And, uh, and and over a conversation, he like we just said, well, what are you going to do next? So it was getting a bit easier.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'd met up with some Australian producers that night and they said, nobody's done a film on Ned Kelly. So I went back to Michal that night and I said, Ned Kelly. And he said, oh, that's a good idea. Why don't you write up a proposal on that? And that we did and that was the next project. Mm -hmm. So that's, if if it wasn't for TG Cahar, you know, nothing would have happened. And another funny one was I was at a wedding, filming Mm -hmm. a wedding, and there was a guy there from New York. JFK walked in. Yeah, JFK. (laughs) Uh, at a wedding. And I, got, I gave this guy my video wedding video card, you know? And about yeah, two yeah. years later, I got a phone call from PBS in the States.
0: Jesus, okay. And they
1: said, uh, we well, hear you do some camera work, and would you, would you, and no, that's a really bad New York accent. You, you're talking to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he, he, he just said, we, we have a guy called, called Dominic McSorley, who's still a bit concerned, and he was going to Afghanistan to see what was happening post 9-11 and uh, the, after the invasion of, of, of Af- Afga- Afghanistan. The yeah. liberation. Yeah. So I was just to film um, Dominic packing his bag in Dublin, in Francis Street, in his apartment. And I, I had just phoned. I said to Dominic, who's from Belfast, I said, who's, go? who's meeting you in, in Afghanistan? He said, I don't know. Do you want to go? <laughs> and I said,
0: yeah. So when is
1: this? Like this 2019? is, no, it was February. Post 9-11. Yeah, it was so nine eleven. It was what what year is it? 2001, yeah, sorry. so it was two thousand February two thousand and two. And I just come back from i had been trekking in the Himalayas, and I had all the shots and everything, all the jobs. And when he said, "Would you like to go?" So he said, "Let me phone them in New York." So he phoned New York, and they said, "Will you go?" I said, "Yeah." So my wife she answered, "Well, if you're going, I'm going." So she did sound, and we spent two weeks there in in the up in the northeast of Afghanistan, following this guy from Ireland and. Jesus. We're in. We went going through minefields, and you know, um, I remember I jumped out of this. We were going along in the jeep one day, and I said, "Stop the jeep!" to the driver, and it was we're all in the back with Kalashnikovs and everything, you know. And I said, "Stop, stop!" and I said, "I want to run up that hill and take a." It was a, a tank up in a hill, you know, a Russian tank, and I ran up the hill in the snow. And next, before they realized what was going on, the driver started shouting, mineys, mineys, "Mines! Mines! Yeah. Mines!" Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I did? I came back down the the hill. Not the same way I went up. And there
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, you yeah, ca- you, 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 yeah, you, for a man with two prosthetic legs, you yeah. carry it very well. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, that was quite an experience. So that was one of those, you know, out of the blue.
0: Jesus Christ!
1: And that was aired on PBS. Um, I got I credited as field director. You know, what, but we, was that?
0: what was that called?
1: Afghanistan after the war. And it was it was a half hour piece.
0: Did it, did it feel unsafe? Did it feel? No, it felt I,
1: the, the, the Afghani people were lovely. I mean, like just i mean i saw it was we were in this place one time i can't think the fives i think it's called and there's these guys coming down the street riding horses like you know and it was like something from the wild west and then i looked around and it was three other guys in burkas i mean they were six foot four they weren't women they were men and they were so th- this was after the taliban had disappeared but they were still there and then we were dealing with the Northern and alliance mm-hmm. and but they were happy that there was some food aid and stuff coming in so there was a quid pro quo so I never felt threatened. Okay. But when we went, we went over the Hindu, we flew in over the Hindu Kush mountains into Quetta and in, 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 into the camps there. And there we had we had armed guards everywhere we went. And when we were driving through across some parts of, in Hashtun, I mean, people were throwing rocks at the car, you know, mm-hmm. like because like, they weren't too enamored by the Americans or the U.S. or whatever. So I felt didn't feel safe in, in Pakistan. But that was just one of those, yeah. It was a, an amazing experience. What an amazing life experience. God. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so, that wh- where did that lead you then after that?
1: Um, that was a two, I think the next project, actually, probably a few more weddings or something. I don't know. It was the, the wedding video th- balance. So. I know, I know. I, <laughs> <laughs> No, I I decided one day, I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just not doing any more weddings, you know. It, I did... In so, 96, I did a bit of news work up in the up in the north as well, one t- stage, yeah. Okay. Somebody said, can you operate a beta SP camera? I said, yeah. No, I hadn't a clue. But a friend of mine worked for RT and he had a beta SP, so I did a crash course. And <laughs> went up the next day and I was filming the elections up in, in Belfast in 98. Wow. So 2002, I think 2000... You know, then I made the Ned Kelly film, I think. And then we did um i did a film called Exile in Hell or Diorioxinfran mm-hmm. it was um, a story about these convicts escaping from Serre Island in western Tasmania mm-hmm. they were there in the in the western tiers um Macquarie Harbour and they were up to their necks in water getting hue and pine for the british army ships and hue and pine was perfect because it didn't you couldn't get sea lice into it and it was very buoyant and this, these, these guys were like serious offenders. I mean, so they, seven, seven of them, eight of them decided to escape. And 49 days later, it was only one man appeared. And he was a little Irish man from County Monaghan called Alexander Pierce.
0: Hey, lads, now. Hey,
1: lads. <laughs> and so he said he, they got hungry and they killed the weakest one and they ate each other. and not yeah, about it, yeah. Yeah, and then they didn't believe him and he escaped again with the young fella who couldn't swim when they got to a river. So he, he killed him, chopped him up, and then gave himself up. So I, I made that film for TG Carr. I mean, so that was in 1994, or sorry, 2004, 2005. And then, again, you know, I don't know what else was happening, but then there was um, my wife, Siobhan, was saying, what about the women? Where is the women And all? There was no women in any yeah. of these stories. So, excuse me. <clears throat> so I said, well, why don't you write something about it and like...
0: Just in time before
1: you got cancelled.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> How do you mean cancelled?
0: A, a, a cancel culture.
1: Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um. So,
0: I um, What like, what, I, what is it you look for in this Like, what, what is it that piques an interest for you? I mean, do you, do you like... Do, you go, I, I do think, you go searching for subjects? Or I think they
1: find me somehow. I mean, it's always about the underdog if you like. You know what I mean? It's always yeah. about somebody struggling against the odds. So, when Siobhan came up with this, she looked at the the whole story of, like, Ned, Ned Kelly's mother, for example, right? Okay, she was from Ballymena. And somebody was actually trying to put up a statue in Ballymena for Ned Kelly. <laughs> <Jeff> <laughs> could, you, could you imagine a, a picture of Ned Kelly, the most wanted man in, in English history, like, you know, with a with a price on his head, higher than Bin Laden at the time. You know, there's a statue for him in Ballymena. That'll go down well. Um So anyway, the women, so there's so many women were sent to Australia. So Siobhan just dug up all this information on the women who were sent there as indentured servants and they needed women in the colonies. So that kind of fitted that, again, that underdog narrative thing. Mm-hmm. And we did it. We were commissioned to do a three part series on it. And Siobhan, again, doing so much research, we ended up with a four part series. Wow. Well, so we good. so we gave T.G. Carr. An more ex-
0: episodes, more. Get,
1: well, we didn't get it. We, we didn't get paid any extra, but T.G. Carr got an extra episode. Yeah. Um
0: did you see the Nightingale by any chance did you you know the movie the
1: Nightingale um, no I've heard of it I should know
0: well about Irish slaves essentially oh yeah I did come across it yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. no you should check it out if you get a chance yeah. it's really good
0: um, yeah sorry uh, broke your
1: train. no no so that was the, that was the, the uh, um, not deeper huh? deeper, deeper uh. Uh, so banished women basically and that, that sold well in Australia and uh, still selling you know get the odd say sale, educational sales and stuff i mean i i you won't get rich being a filmmaker like even if you're quite you know Big in the documentary Thomas. yeah yeah
0: do you, like where do you think that documentary is right now how do you feel about the kind of net netflix kind of um, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story
1: kind of well, I have to say I enjoyed yeah. watching Tiger Tail. or Tiger's Tale was kind of um, yeah. uh, uh, Tiger King Tiger right. King rather, rather yeah, yeah it's entertainment yeah, but yeah, you, yeah, you so wonder yeah. how much of it is based in yeah, 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 reality yeah, absolutely yeah. I mean yeah no I like factual stuff I don't know I mean I'm getting a bit tired of it now tired of, of the, the struggle to get the proposals off the ground and get you know and, and the amount of work yeah. I think I think there's a bit of dumbing down going on at the moment there has been anyway yeah um, Whereas I, I was watching that um, Hawks and Doves last night. The uh, Michael Portillo one on the Civil War. Yeah, the, I haven't seen it, but it's quite good. It That's made by Midas. Um, yeah,
0: there's a bit of bluster about it, you know. Should yeah. we we'll be giving our money to blah blah blah? Yeah. To well, do
1: that. The fact it's quite interesting. Some of the stuff they're digging up. Well, different perspectives. It's causing the Brits to look at their own history, like you know, because they don't really know. A lot of it. They
0: have the abridged version,
1: right? Yeah. Um, so a lot of that was coming out in that documentary. Well, I i, I tell you what, I, there is stuff happening now. I mean, there are filmmakers out there that who are making waves. I mean, I'm not really that it's sort of, I'm sort of under the radar now, really. But I know there's a lot of young, other young filmmakers out there doing stuff internationally. Like, you know, there's been films at Sundance, there's been films in Toronto. Um, I'm thinking of Gary Keane's film about Gaza. There's... Um
0: we actually spoke to Trevor and Brendan at uh, Fine Point yesterday. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um the Brendan from
0: Fine Point oh Fine uh, Point, uh, but not
1: Brendan Byrne, he did he did the yeah, gals that we Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so we were all, they were all kind of knocking around as well when we were out there pushing. So the I think Irish documentary is getting out there a bit more, you know. And the film board are starting to get behind documentary more than they did mm-hmm. to a certain extent.
0: Well, they realized the marketability of it with streaming mm. platforms as well. yeah um, yeah, I mean, when I mean the so with the likes of obviously Amazon Prime and uh, and Netflix and stuff, is it important? Do you think these streaming services are important f- for like is the event?
1: Well, I think it's probably looks good brand? to you. You say oh, it's a screening on Netflix. I don't know if you get too terribly well paid though. I mean, you I don't. hear you don't get paid. Yeah, I hear stories. I mean, people say they haven't got any revenue. They don't
0: give you figures, right? So yeah. You know what you, Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. How do you know you
1: have something valuable if they don't yeah. tell you? I mean, I much prefer the old state broadcaster and, you know, that national broadcaster and that that model and, you know, that you're there to serve an audience. And Mm -hmm. I I certainly think there's a lot of dumbing down going on in RTE. I mean, you look at some of the stuff they're pulling out, you know, and and even TG Car to an extent. I mean, there's some things out there that puked the ride and thinking, okay, well, I wouldn't call that documentary, you know. But look, that's only me. But I mean, I like factual stuff. Yeah,
0: well, me too. I mean, I I, I prefer to watch factual stuff.
1: And I, I suppose I tune in to BBC Four and to, to watch stuff there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what does the future hold for uh, Irish documentary, do you think? Do you think we're in a good place overall?
1: You're probably asking the wrong person. I don't know. I'm well, not, you're around a while, so... Well, I don't know. I mean, I I probably need to get back into the kind of... into the, doing the room again, because I've kind of... Mm-hmm. I used to be at all the events. I go to everything, you know what I mean? But...
0: I've seen you had a couple of oh, a couple of events over
1: the years. Oh yeah, there's been a few, all right. Oh, a couple, a couple yeah, of glasses yeah. of, of wine there's a, a few of those, all right. <laughs> I I have entered uh, the, the, whether it's so anything is going to come, of it, but but the, the Violet Gibson film. I mean, mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. I've I've entered into like, it's entered in about fifteen or sixteen, fourteen festivals, like big ones.
0: Yes, of course, yeah. Which are. But everything's on hiatus now. I so know. Where yes. Does, where does so? I
1: don't. These are all not making announcements till September, October. So I'm. I was deliberately aiming at festivals down the line. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's all. It's still. Uh, they're under consideration, shall we say? But if the, maybe the, if if I got some screenings, I might get out there again and start. Maybe get some more enthusiasm to kind of. Get out there and start writing proposals again. But at the moment, I is
0: it fin- like is it finished? Finished? I know it. Doesn't, no, so I know it's d- never finished. But no,
1: we're we're we have the international version, and we're working on the, the TG four car version, which we will w- be screened on TG. Yeah, car. It, and hopefully in the autumn. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah,
0: it's fantastic.
1: So, I mean, I'll, if somebody came up to me and said, "Look, you know, you've done a lot of research on this on this Valy Gibson, and we'd like to make a feature film," mm-hmm. you know, I might I might be interested in you know talking to them.
0: Yeah, you heard it her here first. You heard it her here first. Yeah, <laughs> I did say the
1: same thing on 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 some other platform. But anyway,
0: yeah. Um, we ask everybody who comes on the show, um, just by nature of what this kind of is, the it's a uh, advice-driven type uh, podcast, uh, altruistic in nature. How do you deal with being rejected?
1: Well. Um, you just you t- you, you just get sort of crocodile-like skin, you know what I mean? You just, you have to put up with it. I mean, I think for me, it it was harder in the beginning. Like, I mean, now I just say, oh, another rejection, you know, just kind of, like I could wallpaper houses with, with proposals and rejection letters, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And I don't know whether it's something to do with riding horses and falling off and getting back up again. But I have, over the years, you'd see a lot of, talented young people coming, starting out in the business mm-hmm. and two or three years, they're gone. They just can't hack it. You know, they, what I try to tend to do and I've, I have mentored a few people, um, I, I encourage people and I've, you know, helped a few people get films made. I've executive produced a few things um, or made, a, you know, put in a proposal to the film board all the people. Have. What I, I just say, you know, if you're, it's hard to say. I suppose believe, work with people you like. Uh, worker people you you're, you you get on with. If you look at Woody Allen, these people they work with the same people all the time. You know, mm-hmm. um, don't be afraid to fail. Yeah, yeah. You, and have, it, and you if, have permission. You have it. permission. And if and if if you can't hack it, well, you know, do something else because it's and it it's not it's only a handful of people really kind of break through. I mean, I'm thinking of maybe like Lenny Abramson now. He's like he's you know he's on a Flying, but th- he was grafted and grafted in a long time too, you know what I mean? Didn't it didn't just happen overnight. And it's probably like Gary Keene is another one. Then. But th- like it's the, as in out, out there, get their names out there, and then Pat Collins, and but just, you know, there's a handful of them really.
0: How do you avoid, uh, or personally, kind of cynicism?
1: I don't. <laughs> I found f- f- <laughs> lately I just got, I got more and more cynical, you know? Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. But yeah, I mean, there has to be a conscious avoidance of it to progress, right? Or is it healthy in terms of a documentarian's perspective to kind of unearth things and, go, and get to the truth of it and go, you know, well, both in the craft, but also, you know, in the day-to-day work of it?
1: Well, in the past, like, I mean, we, myself and others, would be at an event, a pitching event, you know, and you'd have 10 ideas you know, you'd have, well, if that, that doesn't work, what about this one? What that, What about this one? And what about this one? But I don't think like that anymore because I just, it's just don't have that energy. So I think it's a young person's game as well. You know what I mean? You've got to be young and, um, and you really want to have that drive and a hunger, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm feeling more and more like, you know, Look, like I've made a lot, I have a good bit of stuff under my belt and, you know, I actually have a It's just so I sound uh, bizarre, but I have a share in a racehorse. (laughs) Do you? Yeah. uh, (laughs) Racehorses in in, in Ireland have five legs, you know that. So you (laughs) you, you think you own a leg at the racehorse, but it's actually somebody else behind the scenes. Yeah. So that's a bit of fun. And um,
0: I thought that was a reference to the stud element of the horse. (laughs) No.
1: And I I worked in the breeding side of things too, uh, on some of the big stud farms around the world. So that's been my previous life. But uh, I don't know. I'm kind of just taking a rain check now. I think if if this Violet Gibson film and picked up some legs and said I'd do something I might get enthusiastic again you know you should do yeah.
0: mean, it, 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 it's a great piece of work and it will travel you know? but I,
1: I tend not to be looking for ideas but people come up to me now with ideas saying I've got a great idea for a documentary and I say mm, yeah.
0: right, come back to me in a year and if yeah, you're still as enthusiastic yeah.
1: I, I remember that happened to me to a well known filmmaker and I'd worked with him a couple of times and I came up with this great idea and he's since retired and uh I won't name him or anything, but he was quite prolific and he, uh, and I got, used to get on very well with him, still do. And I approached him about this particular project and he said, nah, he said, I'm stopping now. And I was like, that was actually more of a shock than, than getting a rejection letter that he actually turned me down, you know, because I thought, but he said, no, he said, look, I want to do other things like plant trees and.
0: It's taking the heart of me, kind of thing. yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah. So, I don't know, maybe, you know, but I, yeah, I heard an interview with um, a couple of years ago and oh, you might even been there yourself in Galway and he was asked to give advice to young actors and young people and, and he said, God, you're asking me for advice. Said, a man who's climbed steeples at night time, you know, <laughs> drinks whatever, and, but he said um, well, well, sweat. You draft. Hard work. And if you have that and a belief in yourself.
0: That's a great way to end it. Um, yeah, thanks so much for coming in. I really appreciate it uh guys uh Violet Gibson will be on t g Car in the autumn. Keep an eye out for it um where can people see some of your other work bar mm,
1: um a lot of it's on the, it's in the archive okay. you know um um could contact me directly. You know what I mean. But yeah, you'll yeah. probably find this, it's in the national archive. I mean, everything you make, they copy if it goes there anyway. Yeah. Um, I have. I must. What I, one of the things I'm one of the things i going to do mm-hmm. is is um, put all my work online. Yeah. Right. So that you know, in fact, some of it's out there already. Like the the, the Banished Women series is available on Vimeo mm-hmm. to download and to buy. Okay, but okay. what i what I'd like to do is, is get all of my stuff up there
0: in one place.
1: Yeah, and that's something mm-hmm. I'm doing. And the other thing I'm doing is I'm as well, I'm going through my archive as well and putting up stuff and sort of you should. I mean, there, digitizing there a lot of it. stuff.
0: I think that's um um I think that's sadly lacking and you know, if anybody's listening. Um apart from Volta, we need other other options to view Irish work.
1: Because mm. there's, there's so much of it out there. I mean, like in, I know that you probably know Shay Mary Doyle yeah. and Shea archived their the loop line collection. But initially when they were doing that, they only wanted to see the finished um, programs. But Shea convinced them to, well, what, what about the outtakes and the rushes and the interview with Patrick Havana? We only use five minutes of it or whatever. There's another half an hour there or whatever. You know, there's so much stuff out there in, in rushes and stuff that, you know, because so much stuff ends up on the on the cutting room floor, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, 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 this, and a lot of
0: it is lost in, you know, in that transfer from, you know, tape and yeah, film
1: to digital. Cutting room floor, I mean, it just ends up in a bin somewhere, you know what I mean? Just, Mm. or on a tape or a, you know on a drive yeah
0: um, thank you for the benefit of your experience people really appreciate it um, watch out for the uh, the doc which will be screening in autumn um, thanks a million you're
1: very good thank you very much thanks, thanks. pleasure to be here Paul thanks bye mm-hmm.